Jake, it is, it's one of the most interesting times of the year, especially in the off season. It is the NFL combine where you have people, you have GMs gathering, you have coaches gathering, or at least so we usually would have, because it seems like there ain't fuck all for coaches here, <laughs> but GMs are gathering deals are maybe talk being talked about with Justin Fields and everything. How are we feeling about it? You know, it's one of those things that the NFL is kind of being topsy-turvy right now because not only do you have the combine right now, you have free agency hitting in 10 days, and you have guys being released like crazy right now, making up cap space for either signing people already on their teams or getting targets for potential free agents to join the team. And you have all the draft news coming out about all the prospects because the draft is in less than a month and a half. Yep. Yes, it is. And that's what's really exciting about this. But welcome, everyone, to Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, as always, joined by Jake Miller. And Jake, we're going to start things off with a little bit of news that we've been seeing. And I'd say the biggest story that we've seen this week has basically been Miko Hardman versus the New York Jets, where Miko Hardman w- talked about on the Pivot podcast how he didn't see the Jets as a winning organization, citing things such as helmets being on the ground, there being no real plan on offense once Aaron Rodgers went down, and it being a heavily defensive culture. And the Jets ended up firing back. Sauce Gardner saying that Miko Hardman allegedly leaked game plans to both the Eagles and the Chiefs, even though Miko Hardman vehemently denies it. Also, Jake, I'm going to just say this right now. If they did, if he did leak the game plans, which I highly doubt he did, that was the two best games the Jets played. So what would that really have done? It, it, it's a really, it was also the best game that Zach Wilson played, and he played against the fucking Chiefs like he was a generational quarterback. Exactly. And so I, I want to get your takeaway on it, because to me, it, it just seems like the Jets are bitter that now that Miko Hardman has won another Super Bowl he, and he's getting all this limelight, they're trying to basically bury him because I don't know about you, but I think if the Chiefs had gotten knocked out in the first round, none of this would have come out. It probably is a bit of kind of like jealousy of kind of like spurring a X or something like that. Because in the situation, it literally just reminds me of a boyfriend and a girlfriend that broke up recently, and it was kind of a bad breakup. And with Hardman and the, the Jets, that's kind of a good way to label it. Because at the end of the day, the wide receiver, McCall Hardman in this case, said, fuck you, and went back to the Chiefs, and he won a ring because of it. And he also scored the game-sealing touchdown in overtime. So the Jets are just a bunch of, I think both sides are acting like children, and kind of need to act like adults, stop being a bunch of pansies. Yeah, that's basically my takeaway of it. I do think that Miko Hardman, man, I'd say right now I'd focus more on trying to see where my next team is because he's a free agent. 
You don't know if the Chiefs are going to sign you or re-sign you. And especially, again, I don't think he leaked game plans because if he did, what does it really matter? The Jets played their two best games. And Zach Wilson played his two best games. They were they gave the Eagles their first loss, 20 to 14. Mm-hmm. And Zach Wilson ended up clawing the Ch- the Jets back into that game against the Chiefs when they were down in the first half and they ended up losing it 23 to 20. So it's one of those things of I think that this idea that Miko Hardman would just leak game plans. No, no receiver in their right mind. No fucking NFL player in their right mind would do that unless they wanted to commit career suicide. And I did listen to this on first take earlier today. And I did kind of agree with it. If I was me, Cole Hardman, I would essentially take legal action for a potential character assassination because these claims. Yeah. Cause these claims could even, you know, it could jeopardize his career, whether it's true or not. And I don't think it's true, but if it is true, his career is over. If it's not true now, though, you still have players looking at him sideways because the accusations out there. And so I do think that it, it's probably for the best if both sides just sort of shut the fuck up and the Jets need to figure out what they're going to do for the draft and free agency because their O-linemen, they, they released another O-lineman earlier this week, Jake, as well. I believe it was Lakin Tomlinson. So it was. You you've now have, what, three O-linemen that you started that are gone and you're already weak at that spot the Jets you got more important things to be worrying about and for Michael Hardman you got more important things to worry about than fighting with the Jets especially because you you got the last laugh you won the Super Bowl it's not that big of a deal but Jake Because it is the NFL Combine, this is where speculation really, really starts to fester. You hear a lot of quotes. You get a little conspiracy theories here and there. But I thought it was very interesting with Sean Payton, what he was talking about while talking about Russell Wilson and talking about the Broncos' future with um with their quarterbacks because he had talked about this Here, here's the quote he talked about i saw a really funny meme there's a broncos fan with a shirt on with like eight quarterbacks names crossed through them and he's drinking the quarterback kool-aid our job is to make sure this next one doesn't have a line through it now jake i understand that Sean Payton could have just misspoke, but he wasn't very quick to walk back his comments. And so, I mean, it was already speculated that they were going to move off Russell Wilson, but I think this is really, really a sign that he's gone. And 
the, also you had their GM George Payton talk about how they've not taken any calls on Russell Wilson. The phone lines are dead. I think what you're going to end up seeing is if you're going to have Russell Wilson off your team, you're going to have to pay that salary and then he can just go sign somewhere for cheap. I think that he'll sign for cheap, but this idea, I don't think he'd sign for cheap to be a backup. Mm-hmm. Looking at He's you, fucking like Jets. He'll probably like do a one-year 5 million maybe, 7.5 at most, and be kind of like, it's, it's pretty much going to be like a prove-it deal in my opinion. And you mentioned no trade calls. The problem is nobody wants to take on that contract. And also because... Russell Wilson has a no trade clause. Exactly. So you have the no trade clause and you have a massive contract still on the books that if the team traded for, they would have to have that contract on the books for 2024 and 2025 pretty much. So yeah, it doesn't shock me. There's no trade interest because of one, the contract two, the no trade clause. But I'd, I'd say minimum, because I think vet minimum is 1.25 or 1.2 mil a year. He'll probably sign a three to seven, more likely in the middle of like five mil, probably. And if he does really good, he'll probably get like a good two or three year fully guaranteed contract like Kirk Cousins is wanting. If not, eh, welcome to backup status, Wilson. I don't know if he would take a backup because it's one of those no, things. No, I'm saying it's... like if. He didn't do good on the prove-it deal. I'd say then he's going to be a backup, if not just flat-out retire. Yeah, I think he'd be more likely to retire because it's hard to have a celebrity backup. You look at Tim Tebow, you look at Cam Newton, you look at big names that were backups. It doesn't fit with their personality, and I look at that with Russell Wilson. You have, you know, he's a celebrity. His wife, obviously, Sierra's a massive celebrity as well. I don't think that that would really work with him as a backup, I don't think he would have a personality issue. I just don't think that his personality really fits being a backup. And so I would say, well, Jake, I guess then what I want to pose the question to you is who do you think the Broncos are eyeballing? Because I've said that Bo Nix is definitely who I would consider. Maybe JJ McCarthy would go there. But I will say this, Jake, this the talks that I've been seeing of J.J. McCarthy being a potential top 10 pick is just silly to me because I look at him as I think if I remember right, he's not doing he didn't run the 40. He didn't do any of the athletic real elite tests. He is only throwing. And I think it's because of the fact that he wants to try and knock the narrative that He might have a little bit mobility, but he can make the throws because to be honest, in college, he really didn't. And he was playing with a team that might have 20 players drafted this year. So I think if they're not going to try to because the only quarterback they would probably try to go for, in my opinion, would be like a Kirk Cousins type, but I don't know if they can afford that because of the massive dead cap that they're going to have with Russell Wilson. 
So if we're talking free, if we're not talking free agency, JJ probably is going to be the guy most likely because he's kind of a a mold of clay or a sword that hasn't been shaped yet, in my opinion, is how I put it. He has a lot of potential, but he has to go to the right system and have the right coach and quarterbacks coach there to guide him along the way. And Sean Payton can do that. Now, whether or not JJ can take the next step into the NFL, that's the big question. I think with the right environment, the right weapons, and the right coaching, yeah, the guy can be good. I haven't seen anything about him not doing anything at the Combine. The only quarterbacks I've seen that they're not going to do anything is the top three. Jaden, Drake, and Caleb are the only three that I'm aware that are not doing anything, but I haven't seen much news on that specifically. So on one hand, I see why you're not a big fan of him. But on the other hand, I think he's literally just, we don't know what the fuck he is. Yes, he was on a fantastic team with a fantastic roster and coordinators and head coach. But he was a leader of that team. We can't forget about that. Now, whether he proves he's an NFL quarterback or not, I don't know. Because quarterback is one of the most tricky positions to actually hit on in the draft. So I don't know what's going to happen with it. But I think the Broncos are in a very interesting place because we, I think we can both agree that Russ is gone, like we've talked about many times. But kind of moving on from that, I don't know if I would want to play for Sean Payton as a rookie quarterback or any quarterback because of what he did to Russell Wilson and the comments he made and the toxicity of what he brings as a head coach. But that's just how I see it. Well, I think one thing that you mentioned, though, Jake, is I don't really look at J.J. McCarthy as being the leader of that team because Jim Harbaugh was. Jim Harbaugh is was the biggest personality. He was basically in control of everything. And then you also had Blake Corum, who was running the air out of the football. You think about Penn State, Jake, that Penn State game. They ran it like 28 straight times. They didn't throw it the ball in the second half. And so that's why when I look at J.J. McCarthy, I think I, I can't help but look at sort of the Alabama and Ohio State syndrome where you have those quarterbacks that have always played with a lead. They've always had a loaded team. They've always had a good coach. And then they get to the NFL and more often than not, they're bums. Now, CJ Stroud, he's bucking that trend, which love to see. I would love to see how he does in his second year. And Justin Fields, he has potential, but he's going to be on his second team before his rookie contract is out. And then, Jake, you also look at Mac Jones, who won in college. He's going to potentially be a backup. And you look at Tua. Are we sure that it's Tua and not just the weapons and Mike McDaniel? Because Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are pretty damn good. And so is Devon Achan. Raheem Mostert is still a touchdown machine. I just look at this and I look at McCarthy and he, I also heard that what he's banking on as his most important stat is his wins. 
him being a winner, I would just be very cautious with that because, again, we've seen quarterbacks who you could call winners and that not translate to the NFL because they either have played with stacked teams and they're just not very good or they go to a bad situation. Your point with potentially going to Sean Payton because of what you've seen with Russell Wilson and the treatment that he's had, I would say the reason why I don't look at that as really an issue for the rookies like a Bo Nix or a J.J. McCarthy if he does go there is when it comes down to it, the personality that Russell Wilson has, which is very optimistic, almost painfully so sometimes, very and very, you know, there's not a whole lot of cynicism with Russell Wilson, whereas Sean Payton, very intense, very cynical, and he'll give it to you straight up being brutally honest. It that that personality just doesn't really match. You get a rookie in, they can't really challenge a guy like Sean Payton like a Kirk Cousins could, a Russell Wilson could. Hell, even maybe a guy like Justin Fields, just because of the fact that he has been in the league for a couple years. I just don't see a rookie being able to stand up to Sean Payton like that. But that's the fun part about the combine because there's been a lot of chatter about J.J. McCarthy, but Penix and Bo Nix, there's been a lot of radio silence. So I'm curious if people are trying to build up McCarthy to get overdrafted to then potentially then get the guys they want, like a Penix or a Bo Nix. And then Jake, I guess the final thing I want to touch on is the Bears GM talking about wanting to do right by Justin Fields, which, you know, I think everyone sort of thought that he was going to be out because you have a chance to draft a generational prospect in Caleb Williams. You're not going to take a guy that you would have to pay next year. Though, Jake, I don't know if you've been hearing this. So Caleb Williams, he's not even participating in the medical check-in checkups which is the first time in combine history this has ever happened and i saw a conspiracy theory that maybe he's trying to act a bit prima donna a bit of a diva to make it to where the bears don't draft him and that allows then the commanders to trade up with cliff kingsbury at oc to get the quarterback that he worked with last year. So with that being said, you didn't state all the facts on that correctly. He has said that he is willing to give medical to the top teams. Oh, yes. Because he doesn't want to waste other teams' times and his own time and, God forbid, one team fucking finds something out of the blue, and it could fuck him over. And we saw with Montez Sweat, one team at the Combine found his heart condition and his tank, his stock tanked until he got a secondary opinion from an outside 
and from an outside NFL doctor saying, hey, yeah, he's good. He can play. So he's playing it smart, in my opinion. And I really don't have much of a problem with it. Now, the whole prima donna thing, I really don't agree with that narrative with him just because he is such a competitive kid that I think he would go to any situation and be happy because he could prove that, oh, yeah, I can go to almost any NFL team and say, fuck you, I'm Caleb Williams. I can make any, I can make shit into gold. Now, I don't even know if he could do that with the Panthers, but it's a different scenario. But I think Caleb and all the news surrounding him, it's making him, him to turn out like a villain of some sort. And I don't understand it at all because the last time I've seen a prospect this highly regarded being this bashed, fuck, maybe RG3? But he wasn't seen as a generational like Andrew Luck was. So I really can't think of a case where I've seen this much vilification of a single prospect. Well, uh, you mentioned that, Jake, but I don't even think it's really just Caleb Williams. You look at the mock drafts seen by people, you see things from Lance Zerline, Matt Miller, Merrill Hodge. They act like they don't like any quarterback in this draft. I mean, I think if I remember right, Lance Zerline, his top prospect on his board is Malik Neighbors, the LSU receiver. And you think about that and you're just like, so a guy that we see have heard comparisons to Patrick Mahomes and him being able to do Patrick Mahomes-esque things, but you're going to have a receiver as your number one prospect that isn't Marvin Harrison. And this is not a shot at Malik Neighbors, because to me, I think that he is going to be the second receiver off the board, maybe the first, depending on who is picking. But Jake, just this sort of concept that we've seen, I've seen a lot of Drake May sort of doubt as well. And I think it's interesting because you think about Drake May, he has been a little up and down at North Carolina, but at the same time, can I just point this out? We have not had players, we have not had two quarterback prospects that we have talked about for three years. Basically, since they were freshmen, we have been talking about them. Now, you think about Trevor Lawrence, who was talked about when he was in high school, but Caleb Williams and Drake May were both quarterbacks that a year ago, two years ago, we're already talking about them going one and two without a doubt. And now that you hear so many different things, you have Jalen Dan, Jaden Daniels talk, you have, you know, you have JJ McCarthy talk. It's interesting to see both. Caleb Williams and Drake May, who were considered lock one and two picks, they both have sort of been talked about with doubt. And I understand that around this time of year, your flaws are going to be heavily nitpicked and critiqued. But I just think more than anything, Jake, you mentioned Caleb Williams, you know, I think it's just a quarterback thing as a whole right now. 
with this rookie class. It, it, it could be that. Another thing I just kind of thought about, it could just be because, it could be fatigue syndrome or prospect syndrome because we've been talking about these guys for so fucking long. I think that NFL teams or NFL fans in general are just getting, I wouldn't say tired, but they keep hearing the same shit over and over again. So I don't know if this is just like a fresh narrative to kind of take heat off of other prospects or something of that matter, but it's getting old really quick. And I just want these guys to be successful and have good careers. And that's what I hope as well. I mean, even with my doubts of quarterbacks like JJ McCarthy, and I have a little bit of doubts with Michael Penix, I don't want them to fail. I would rather them succeed. I would like to see successful quarterback play because Jake, I don't know if you watched the bears Panthers game this year. (laughs) I did. I watched that Thursday night game and I wanted to basically, I would have rather gone outside and just stared at the sky waiting for it to snow. Which, speaking of, we actually did get some snow over here in Washington, which was really, really annoying. But regardless of that, moving on, Jake, we're going to have our second segment, which I'm calling... A and J's matchmakers for free agents. So Jake, there is a list every year. Greg Rosenthal, the top 101 NFL free agents. And what I think is really fun about this list is this is probably one of the more star power filled lists that we have seen. I think this is one of those years that we might have some surprise people that might not get picked up and so or we see teams that take in a guy who has a name and they're a backup i think what it's going to be really really fun about this and what we're going to do is jake we each are going to pick five guys and we're going to pick their most realistic ideal landing spot now the reason why i say realistic is it would obviously be easy to have, you know, a guy like Chris Jones, for example, going to the 49ers or the Ravens. It's it's probably unlikely, though. But what I do think. And I'm going to give you the first pick on this one, because I had I believe I had the first pick for the draft that we did last week. I'm going to give you the first pick, and the rule is whoever you pick, they are in that spot. You cannot pick them again. So, Jake, who is your first free agent? So, my first and biggest free agent on Greg Rosenthal's 101 free agents is Anton Winfield Jr. from the Buccaneers. Now, it's been rumored that they're doing heavy work on extending Baker and Mike Evans. They let Shaquille Barrett go, so they might have cap for Antoine. I don't know, though. 
if they decide not to pay him or franchise tag him, I have him going to the Commanders. Okay. The reason I say the Commanders is because when you look at predominantly cover three teams, which is what the Buccaneers play a lot when they're not blitzing, the Commanders gave it the most amount of points per game being a predominantly cover three team. Antoine is such a damn good safety. You can make an argument. He is number one or number two for best free safety in the league. He's definitely top three minimum. And, you know, looking at it, pairing him, I think you keep Cameron Curl. He can be your strong safety. Pay Antoine Winfield anywhere from 16 to 18 mil because if you look at kind of like average salary for like Derwin and Minka, they're paid right around 18 to 20 mil a year for average salary. So give him top of the safety market for his contract. I'd say four years since he'll be 26 this off season. And at that point, you got your safety duo set up and your secondary definitely needs help as the commanders. Cause that was their biggest weakness. It absolutely was. It absolutely was. Emmanuel Forbes was a bit of a letdown as a rookie. And this was a team, Jake. I believe the commanders were 32nd in passing defense, which you just can't have in a division with Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts, two very capable quarterbacks. And I do think that with the commanders potentially drafting a quarterback, we don't know who, but them most likely drafting a quarterback and him having that rookie contract, you're going to be able to add a player like Antoine Winfield for a decent contract and a decent length without breaking the bank. I love the pick, but Jay. And before I give you the floor, I actually started to look up the cap space for all the teams. The commanders have the second most available cap space of effective cap space being $80 million. Oh, they have a ton. So one guy would take up probably 15 to 20. And you're going to have a guy on a rookie contract. So bada bing, bada boom. There you go. Yeah. So Jake, for my first pick, this is sort of one that I think is somewhat realistic, but if it did happen, I do think that the this team would be foolish for him to be gone. But I'm going to take Michael Pittman and I am going to send him to the New England Patriots. Michael Pittman, Jake, we've always looked at him as a tough, gritty possession guy who's able to move the chains. He's got strong hands. He's willing to take hits and he will fight for every yard. Now, the Colts absolutely need him, but if they franchise tag him but and they're not able to get a long-term deal or if they do an offer sheet for him and say, hey, we can match whatever you get and that would be that, go see what you can find. I think that the New England Patriots, Jake, you look at their receiving group and you see Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker. Two guys that I could probably cover being out of shape 
Devontae Parker, Jake, has ranked over the last couple of years dead last in the NFL in separation. And he signed to, I think, two more years. Juju Smith-Schuster also, I think, has two more years on his deal. You need a guy who actually can be a number one. And I think Michael Pittman would be perfect for that. And you also think the Patriots have a ton of cash in free agency to burn. And Gerard Mayo, even though he walked it back, he did say he was willing to burn some cash in free agency. And I think receiver, if they don't draft one, or even if they do draft one, I think they need a strong receiver makeover. And I think Michael Pittman, he's only 26. He'll be perfect for that kind of thing. And you mentioned the cap space for the Patriots. They actually have the most cap space in the NFL. And their effective cap space is $93 million. So I'd say give Pittman a four-year 110, 105 million dollar deal, and keep until he's thirty, and then there you go. So he'll get that much, but I could very much see four years with how the receiver market is going. I could see it. I could see four for a hundred, probably. I don't know if I could see him getting one hundred five because that would be putting him in the Devontae Adams contract. And I just don't see him getting it. I'm not saying that he can't. I just don't see him getting it. Fair enough. But, Jake, I'm curious as to your second free agent. So, he's not my second one, but you brought up receiver. I'll do my receiver pick here. Okay. And this just makes way too much sense to me. Darnell Mooney to the Chiefs. Okay. You got a guy that is two years removed from a thousand yard season when Justin Fields was under duress all the fucking time. That O-line was total shit. So I think he still has a lot of talent. He's not going to be the number one for the Chiefs. That's Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. If if we're just going to be receiver, that's Rasheed. Darnell Mooney could be a damn good number two. And given the opportunity, he's playing with Patrick fucking Mahomes. Mooney doesn't even demand that much of a contract, in my opinion. If you were going to pay him, you could probably get him for, and I'm asking your opinion on this, 15 to 17.5 mil, maybe? Maybe even 12.5. I think 12.5 is a low and 17.5 is a high. I think so. The reason why, so I like that because we've heard talks about, you know, Oh, what if Mike Evans goes there? Darnell Mooney, the reason why I think that's a good idea is what's probably going to happen for the Bears and what the Bears have been heavily speculated of doing, Jake, is taking Caleb with the first overall pick and then using that ninth pick to get one of the top receivers if they're available. But to pair with DJ Moore, but we haven't thought about if Darnell Mooney is there or not. I think the Chiefs, if they're able to get him, it just makes so much sense. And I, you think about it, Mooney's y- much younger than Mike Evans. And he wants to have as much of a contract. Exactly. But I like that pick a lot, Jake. So for my second one, and this one I was really excited about, 
I'm taking Derrick Henry and I'm putting him on the Houston Texans. And the reason why is because if you look at the Houston Texans, Jake, and how they played, it was mainly CJ Stroud, Tank Dell, and Gabe Davis. Because you look at their running back room, Damian Pierce was abysmal. He did not follow up his rookie season at all. And they brought in Devin Singletary, and Devin Singletary did what he has done before with the Bills, which is have solid games, solid workloads that you would look at and go, yeah, you know, he could maybe do that. But then he would also have his fair share of duds. Derrick Henry, I understand he's turning 30, but we have to also remember he's Derrick Henry and rules don't apply to him. And you think about, oh, well, he had a down year. Pretty much every running back had a down year for the most part outside of Christian McCaffrey. And that's because for the most part, you saw teams throwing the ball, getting more pass happy. I mean, look at the commanders, Brian Robinson. He had a bit of a down year, even though he still got a good amount of carries and the commanders threw the ball more than anyone. And I look at Derrick Henry, Jake, as the most unique running back we have ever seen, because even at age 29, he had a thousand yards and I just don't see the age that he is having like anyone else, like everyone else does. Because you also have to remember, Jake, his first two years in the league, he was splitting carries. He was not the number one option for the running back at room. It was DeMarco Murray, and I believe Deion Lewis then also got a bit more run than Derrick Henry before he finally took over the backfield. And you think about what Derrick Henry's last three years, Jake, he goes 2,000 yards, he had 957 in, I believe, eight games before he finally, before he broke his foot. And then he comes back and rushes for over a thousand yards. The man's an absolute machine. And if you put him on the Texans, I think it gives them a legitimate running back threat that they didn't have at all last year. And that then makes them have to stack the box, making CJ Stroud get a lot more easier looks in the passing game. So you mentioned that and I really hate you right now because I had a running back, a different running back going to the Texans. (laughs) I had Saquon Barkley going to the Texans and I think Barkley would fit their atmosphere a little bit better just because he's more more of a pass catcher compared to Derrick Henry. And he's a little younger, and I'm probably going to say they're probably going to get contracts similar to each other. Probably like 10 mil, maybe 11 at best for both of them. And with Barkley... I kind of like his fit in that system a little more because, I mean, like I said, he's better in the pass game. He's he's injury prone enough, just like Derrick Henry is. 
He's a little faster, though, and has a little more wiggle, I think. So that's kind of the reason I have Barkley as my guy, as, or as my running back, going to the Texans. Now you gotta find a different spot for him. <laughs> yeah. But if I had to shoot Barkley anywhere besides the Texans... Fuck, I'm trying to think. Um, I do sort of have an idea of where I would put him because I did potentially have Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. You know, if it wasn't that team, I'd probably give him... Fuck it. He's gonna be a Patriot. Oh. Because they have so much fucking money, they can probably do it. Just get that either whatever, either you get Kirk Cousins, you trade for a quarterback, or you pick one at third, or you move up. Give him as many weapons as possible. Say, fuck it. We're going to do what Bill did when we got Mac into his second year or first year, whenever he did the big ass free agency spending. And say, all right, Barkley, come to us. I mean, yeah, I could see that. Here's the thing. I actually did have on my list Saquon Barkley, and I was going to give him to the Chargers because I think that Jim Harbaugh would really, really want a guy like Saquon who is very versatile. But I do think what is really interesting is the Patriots might actually work a little bit better just because you look at Greg Roman's offense those running backs do not catch very many passes and so what the Patriots will do whoever their quarterback is you're right you then give him a good safety outlet in Saquon who we've seen do a lot more with a lot less so I Mm -hmm. really like that pick for my for my third pick there was a player that I really wanted to do. There's a couple players that I wanted to do, but I just cannot pick them because I think they're going to end up getting franchise tagged. So I can't really say that this is where they're going to go. Hmm. Okay, I actually do have one. Okay, what is it? So Jake, Daniel Hunter, he held out last year and he got a one-year deal for 20 million and he got a no franchise tag clause. And then he goes and gets 16 and a half sacks showing that he's still an absolute stud rusher. And before the age of 30 and Jake, I'm going to put Daniel Hunter. I'm going to put him on the Los Angeles Rams because when I look at the Rams, Jake, They have a lot of rookies on that defense outside of Aaron Donald. And I think what they really need to do is I think that they're going to go offense in the draft. I don't think they're going to go too much defense. And what I would do is I would try and get Daniel Hunter on a two or three year deal worth about 57 to $60 million if I could, because He is before the age of 30. He's coming off a fantastic season. 
And you look at the Vikings, Jake, their defense as a whole isn't very good. It hasn't been good since 2016, 2017. It has been rough for a while, and Daniil Hunter has been the basically the life raft for it. I think you put him next to Aaron Donald, a guy who does command double teams and sometimes triple teams even still now. I just think that you then give that defense, which is already young and going to be able to develop with another year, a bona fide star on the edge to pair with Byron Young. I really like Daniil Hunter going to the Rams and in a in a division where you have the Niners and Kyle Shanahan and then you also have the you have Kyler Murray who even though he's hurt he can still run around having a guy like Daniil Hunter who does still have some pretty good speed to be able to hunt him down it it just makes too much sense to me and I decided to look up his market value for kind of like average annual salary for calculated market value and base calculated value. People have him getting like a two or three year contract about 20 mil, 19, 20 mil per year on average, which. Which is exactly Hunter, what I said. That's dead what I yeah. said. So you picked an outside because I would consider Daniel Hunter an outside linebacker slash edge rusher combo. Thereabouts. So I have one that is considered an inside and outside, depending on the scheme he's playing. I have Patrick Queen leaving the Ravens and replacing Jordan Brooks in Seattle. Ah, damn it. I think he is going to follow Mike McDonald and Mike McDonald saw what Patrick Queen did when he had that dominant his that other dominant inside backer and i think he's gonna bet that i'm gonna make him follow me and he's gonna continue to grow which i understand because patrick queen played like a very good linebacker this year and i again he's following his head coach his former d he's following his former dc to Seattle. He's in a big market. He's in a damn good up and coming young defense. And I think the piece is just a line. I think you sign Bobby for one more year and then Bobby probably retires. Keep Bobby around. So you have that veteran presence with queen. So like, Hey, he's going to be like, Hey kid, you got your massive deal. I'm still here. I'm still the alpha, but I'll teach you as much as I can so you can be a kick-ass linebacker. And I just love the fit. And he'll probably get anywhere from 18 to 19 mil because, like, his calculated bark value is about 18.5 mil. And people have him on either a four- or five-year contract. So I actually, for my for my next pick, it was actually going to be Patrick Queen. And I actually was going to give Patrick Queen. I was going to give him, Jake, to the Atlanta Falcons. Because I was thinking that you saw how that defense played 
and having a guy in the middle like Patrick Queen who can be that diagnose or that read and react guy would be just perfect for a defense that looked pretty damn good, all things considered. Oh, that that's a good pick. I really like that. And I think that him in Seattle, I mean, I think if I remember right, they came out in the same draft class or if Patrick Quinn came out. Him right and Jordan Brooks him. were back to back picks, if I remember right. 26 and 27. Yeah. And, and we yes, were watching that draft. And we, we thought were we were pissed. Gonna, yeah, we thought we were going to get Patrick Queen in Seattle. I remember it because I was remembering thinking Patrick Queen performed really well. I think we're going to get a really cool linebacker. And then I remember Jordan Brooks. And I'm like, who's this guy? So now, though, with Patrick Queen off the board, Jake Karma is a bitch. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Jake, I have one that is pretty far down the list. And by pretty far, I mean, he is all the way down. Where is he? I'm I'm still scrolling. I'm, I might have to <laughs> give me it. There he is. So, Jake, he's ranked 81st. And... He did sort of have what you could consider a one-off year. But I just think that there's a chance that with his age and what he was able to do, he's going to get a he's potentially going to get a three-year deal, probably somewhere around 15 mil a year. Mm -hmm. I am going to take Geno Stone and I'm going to put him on the Lions. And the reason why I have him going to the Lions rather than them just re-signing C.J. Gardner-Johnson is simply down to age and injury concerns. Because, Jake, you look at the injuries that C.J. G.J. has had, and when he's on the field, he's a game-changing player. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I don't think Geno Stone is going to be able to get seven interceptions back-to-back -back years, but I think what we saw is he's able to play center field really well, and I think for a team like Detroit, who has a lot of rookies that they aren't paying yet, you can add a guy like Geno Stone to a secondary that was not really, not really good. They sh they had moments, and you would argue that technically they could have been in the Super Bowl if not for a fluky ricochet off of a man's face mask. But I think that Geno Stone is just a guy that fills a need for them, and you you could lock him up for long term. I think three years around forty five mil in total. Yeah, you know, honestly, I could see that. And it's a pretty good destination for him, in my opinion. So I'm changing up my fifth one because it's a little too predictable. What was and it? Chauncey Gardner Johnson back to the Eagles. Okay. But I think the Eagles are going to want to get younger there. So it's funny you mentioned the 
Falcons because my new guy is going to be going there. And that is Bryce Huff. Okay. I think Raheem Morris sees that his his guys are older. I mean, Grady Jarrett. He's in his early 30s. David Onyemata, late 20s. And you also have the... Um, oh, fuck the hell is his name? Yeah. Adam, once the guy... No, okay. Falcon's Edge, older as shit. He, we had talked about him a few times because he just got over 100 sacks in the year. Or for his entire career. Like 37. Oh, oh I, I know who you're talking about. Give me a second. Go ahead, go ahead and I'll, I'll give you that answer here in a second. But I like Bryce Huff because he's never really been that he's never really been that guy, but if you look at his pass rush win rate and what he does in the run game and stopping the pass game, the guy can fucking play. And because he really hasn't got that many opportunities, I don't think you're going to have to pay him that much. Clay is Campbell. His freaking, thank you, Campbell. And Campbell is 37 this year, and he was your leading sack guy. So he's going to want to get younger, and Raheem Morris is a damn good and smart former defensive coordinator, now head coach. So I think he's going to look at Huff and say, you know, he's 25. I don't have to pay him top of the market because he doesn't have the stats, but everybody knows the guy can fucking play. His calculated market value is $9.2 million. That if is he actually, wild. If he had more playtime, he'd probably be a $17.5 million calculated market value. Like his base calculated value for average salary is 8.15 a year over three years. So you're looking at like a $25 million contract, but I'd give him a four-year contract and let's say I'm going to up it. Let's do $12 million a year. So a four-year deal at $48 million, that is a deal I could work with and be happy with because you got a guy that can, he doesn't even have to be your alpha because the Falcons, if they don't, trade for a quarterback well they're let's say they get justin fields like we all think mm -hmm. your second round pick is gone but let's take a dallas turner or like what i picked in our mock draft last week i had them going dt so you get a young dt you get bryce huff and pick up another guy for cheaper that could be a rotational and you got your younger core right there for your pass rush and you're good from there. Very true. So I actually was looking at Bryce Huff and I was considering taking him. But the only reason why I couldn't is I just could not really think of a place to put him because he has been used mainly as a third down guy running, rushing the quarterback. And he hasn't been really used as that top of the line guy. But I do think that the Falcons, he would be perfect for that. And I just think that that would be awesome. And so, Jake, for my last pick, 
Interestingly enough, neither of us have done Legarius Sneed. And I think it's because you and I are both expecting him to get franchise tag and stay with the Chiefs. Uh, and I'm different on that. I think he's going to get tagged and trade. Potentially, the only reason why I think they would he they would probably keep him is because I think that when you look at what Chris Jones is going to get, probably, and we haven't picked Chris Jones either, and the reason why for people who are listening of why we didn't pick a guy like Chris Jones or a guy like Kirk Cousins is strictly because of the fact that we don't really see them going anywhere. I don't see Kirk Cousins leaving Minnesota and I don't see Chris Jones leaving Kansas City. They need him too much. Whereas Snead, the reason why I'm also thinking that they're not going to let him go is because I think that they're going to be able to keep him for at least this year and then maybe let him just let him walk. I don't think this is the year that he will really hit free agency. And then Jake, yeah, there's a, there's, there is one other guy that I wanted to pick, but I can't pick him because again, I don't see him going anywhere. And that's Justin Matabike. I don't see, I just don't see him going anywhere. The Ravens will not let him go. I think he's already been tagged. I'm pretty sure he might have already been as well. But Jake, for my last pick, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a guy that I, this guy's difficult because he had a massive or he had a really good year, but I just don't know really where he could go as a sort of run stuffer and a rotational edge guy. Actually, I know exactly where I'm putting this guy. So Jake, my last pick is I'm putting Aziz Alshair and I'm putting him on the Seahawks. And the reason why is because you have a guy like Daryl Taylor who played extremely well in the passing in the rushing game this past year. He rushed the quarterback well. Boye Mafe rushed it well. Leonard Williams was a bit of a dud, and I don't think they're gonna bring him back. But what I think Seattle really needs to do is if they address their need of a pass rusher or a run stuffer in the free agency pool. Then that leaves them open to taking a quarterback in the draft. I'm not going to get off the fact of I want Bo Nix to Seattle. And I think that the easiest way to appease all the draft analysts who have been saying that, oh, they have to take a pass rusher or a offensive lineman. I think that they'd address offensive line in the second round. And I think that Aziz Alshair, who Jake, we saw him play with Tennessee and he still looked good. Even after playing on the 49ers who were absolutely stacked and he's only 27 as well. You know, I understand it. If he wasn't going to go to Seattle, the only place I think that would be a vi not viable, but like a bigger opportunity for him 
would probably be uh, back to the 49ers. Just because the whole Trey Greenlaw injury, you're going to be down one of your guys. You're going to bring him back in. He's familiar with the system. So I don't hate it. Yeah, I absolutely could see that, especially because, like you mentioned, with Trey Greenlaw, the earliest I think he would be back would maybe be the start of November. The start of November, maybe. If that. Because that and that's me being optimistic just because ACLs, while the surgery has got or Achilles, it's an Achilles, not an ACL. Achilles are just so tricky that I just don't know how you could really do much with that. So, yeah, that I think that Aziz Al-Shair, I could see him going back to the Niners, but I have him going to the Seahawks. And Jake, our next segment, and I don't know how long this segment will go, but we're probably going to do this one more time at least before. I think we might do this one more time either at the end of free agency or after the draft. But Jake, we're going to give our we're going to go division by division and say who we think is going to win the division right now as it stands currently and we're going to all now we can forecast it as well if like they get a quarterback in the draft something like that and i want you to give me your three wild card teams so we'll start with the afc jake go ahead and give me each of your division winners and then your wild cards and go ahead and give me like a little bit of a reason why so I'm going to stick with the Bills to win the AFC East just because we've talked about the Dolphins at length multiple times during this season and a little bit even in the offseason. We have said that if everything goes right for them, they are fantastic. The biggest example of that is the Broncos game where they scored 70. Everything went right for them that game. There was no hiccups on offense or defense. That team was running on all cylinders. That team does not run on all cylinders very often. If they get a single pebble in their shoe, they're fucked. So I don't trust them, and I don't know if I trust Tua enough. And it's shaky. And the Bills, they still have Josh Allen. They still got Stephon Diggs. They still have a good defense. They got a lot of people returning. Now, whether people can stay healthy or not, that's the big question. But I think as long as you have Allen, you can do almost anything. And Allen has not never been injury prone. He's been healthy like Mahomes. And even when Allen has been hurt, he still plays. Not as good, but he still plays like a top 10 quarterback because of the rush threat. So... It's like a Mahomes case, as long as you have Mahomes. I'm not going to count them out. So that's why. For the West, easy, the fucking Chiefs. They just won the Super Bowl. I'm going to keep them as a division leader. Because like I just said with Allen, you have Mahomes. That's all you need. On top of that, they have Andy Reid, Hall of Fame head coach. They still have Travis Kelsey. They're still going to have C. Spagnolo. They have that defense. They're probably going to retain most of it. And 
the offense is only going to get better because they're going to probably draft a receiver or pay for one in the offseason so they can get a second. Rasheed's going to have another year of development. And who else knows what's going to happen? And the whole, oh, it's a Chargers year because Harbaugh's there. Bullshit. Until I see evidence of that fucking team doing anything, I'm going to say they're the same old fucking Chargers. The Broncos, they're in hell right now. Raiders are the only team I would give a snowball's chance in hell of winning this division because Antonio Pierce is Antonio Pierce. The AFC North, that's where it gets tricky. Steelers, you're out. Browns, eh, I love you, except for your quarterback, you're out. The Bengals, if people can stay healthy, because they were the Ravens this year, if they can stay fucking healthy, yeah, I would have them winning. But I don't trust that O-line, and you're probably going to lose T. Higgins. So you're losing one of your guys, so it's kind of like, well, shit. You're fucked through a Sunday with that, because... Teams can just bracket coverage on Jamar. Tyler Boyd is a free agent. He's probably out of there. Your O-line is still looking like shit. You're losing Jonah Williams, your right tackle probably. Your tight end situation, if you don't figure that out in the offseason, or pray to God Brock Bowers falls to you, if he doesn't fall to you, you're fucked. So I'm going to have the Ravens win this again. Harbaugh is just a damn good head coach. That front office does drafting so well. They will figure out what to do in the offseason for certain positions. And I think they'll just win it hands down. It'll be close because that division is like a freaking kaiju division. Every single team in that division had a winning record. For the AFC South, it's going to be the Texans. CJ Shroud is playing like fantastic. You have a head coach. They retain Bobby Slowick. You're going to get that O-line fully back and healthy. You're going to have another draft under your belt. And you're going to have that defense playing on all cylinders again, whether you keep Jonathan Granada or not. Oh, and you have also have a lot of fucking cap space. So, yeah, Texans win that hands down because CJ Stroud is CJ Stroud. And their front office and their coaches are all badasses. And then who are your wildcard teams? So my wildcard teams are going to be the, the Bengals, the Raiders, I think are going to make it. And I'll say the Dolphins. Okay. So that's how many new playoff teams is that? Is that only one in the AFC or no two because the Bengals. Uh, AFC North would have two. AFC East would have two. And the AFC, AFC West, West would, would have two. two. The South would only have the Texans. Yeah, so that would be two new playoff teams in the AFC. Now, here's the thing, Jake. I don't necessarily disagree with anything, but I do have I, I do have some thoughts as well for the AFC. So as far as the AFC East goes, I think Buffalo wins it. Mainly just due to the fact that when it comes down to Miami, I I take the Patriots out of it. I take the Jets out of it because I think the problem is they have too many holes to fill to get everything right now. 
and make a push for this division. So I think it's a two-team race. And when it comes down to Miami, I just look at the quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Tua. Josh Allen, he played better down the stretch once you had uh, Ken Dorsey gone and you had Joe Brady take over the offense. Now, you could argue that there were instances where Allen was throwing the ball a lot less. I think that having an actual offseason to work with Joe Brady and get the offense sort of worked out and getting the kinks out, that will then allow them to be a little bit more efficient, which Josh Allen was a bit more efficient down the stretch, though he did have a couple games where that efficiency uh, dissipated. (laughs) for lack of a better term. I just think that Buffalo, even though they are older, I think that they're going to be able to restock their defense just enough in the draft. Whereas Miami injuries also is a massive concern. As far as the AFC North goes, I have the Bengals winning the division right now because I just think that when it comes down to the Ravens, What I would be very worried about is you lose Mike McDonald. I don't doubt that they might have a guy in waiting, but at the same time, Jake, Mike McDonald, he was a potentially genius defensive coordinator. And we saw what happened. I'm likening this a little bit to the 49ers where Jake, you saw the transition from D'Amico Ryans to Steve Wilkes and Wilkes, even though he sort of got, scapegoated there were instances where that 49ers defense looked very very vulnerable and I'm just curious with the Ravens I think that this is a rare year where they were pretty healthy as far as receiver goes running back they're always hurt so I just sort of roll my eyes when it comes to that but I just think that Cincinnati If you have a healthy Joe Burrow, I just take him ever so slightly over Lamar, who, let's be honest, Jake, he he really should not have won MVP. He he only got MVP because of the Ravens record. I would argue that Christian McCaffrey definitely should have won that. As far as the AFC South goes, Jake, I'm actually going to take I'm, I'm going to take, this is one of my guest picks. I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts because I think that Houston, they're not going to be able to sneak up on teams like they did last time. And not only that, Jake, you have to look at the fact that Houston's now going to be playing a first place schedule. And that is going to be tougher teams. They're not going to be able to play games against you know the Panthers which they lost might I add and I don't think they're playing I think they they played the NFC South last year they're not playing the NFC South this year where you could feed off of you know bottom feeder teams I think that Indianapolis with a healthy Anthony Richardson if they retain Pittman I could see them getting another receiver I could see them maybe trading up for Brock Bowers. And I feel like Shane Steichen, what we saw him do with 
Gardner Minshew. And I think that the upside that Anthony Richardson has, I think he's going to take less hits. He's going to have essentially, he essentially had a year to learn and sort of sit. You could argue that no one wants injuries, but the injury might have actually helped him. I think that he throws the ball better than people think, and I think that Indianapolis could squeak by the Texans. And then for the AFC West, it's the Chiefs until further notice. I think that the Chargers, they can make it interesting. I don't know about the Raiders because they don't have a quarterback at this moment. And even if they draft a Penix or a Bo Nix or even a J.J. McCarthy, I just don't know if I could see them making a massive push out unless they get a solid running back and maybe beef up the linebacking core. And then the Broncos are just right now. We don't really know what to make of the Broncos. So my division winners are Bills, Bengals, Colts, and Chiefs. And my three wild card teams, I have the Ravens, I have the Texans, and I have the Chargers. So I have three new playoff teams. And I understand all the cases you made. The Colts are going to be the only other one in that division unless the Jags could suddenly pull their head out of their ass. I think injuries that, killed them more than anything. Oh, easy. The Colts, if it wasn't for AR and other people getting injured, they probably would have won the division probably right around 11 and 6, maybe? I don't know that, but, but I think they could have had tiebreakers over Houston. Agreed. But, Jake, now moving to the NFC, who, who do you have winning the division, and who are your three wildcard teams? So, to start off with the NFC West, I am going to have... Mm. I'm going to have the Rams winning the division. Okay. Why? Okay. Because their young defense played phenomenally. They're going to get another year under their belt. They finally have a first-round pick. The last time the Rams had a first-round pick and made it was Jared fucking Goff. So, they have that working for them. Les Need is a genius. They actually have a decent amount of salary cap. For effective, they have about 37 mil. So they have a little bit to play with. So you could go out and let's say you wanted to say fuck them picks approach again. You could get a Brian Burns this time, like you tried to do previously. And Stafford is still playing great. I think. He's going to retire after this coming season because his injuries are going to pack up. Puka is still there. Fantastic. Cooper Cup is still there. Higby, not as good as he used to be because of injuries, but he's still an effective tight end. Kyron is still a, Kyron's a damn good running back. You still got Aaron Donald. And I think as long as you have Sean McVay and a, quarter, and a good quarterback, anything is possible. For the NFC South. I'm sticking with the Bucks. I don't trust the Falcons. Until I know if they're doing a quarterback, I don't trust them. So Bucks are still going to stay because Baker is playing fantastic. You got a guy that he wanted as 
an OC from when he was a Ram. That defense is still going to play great. The O-line is only going to get better because I think even though you have your star center retiring, he wasn't there for most of the year anyway. So you're going to do great on that. Baker's going to still have a good weapons. And we if they do keep Mike Evans, great. If they don't, they're probably going to draft a receiver in the first round to work with Baker and Chris Godwin. Kadon's still a damn good player. He's up and coming tight end, in my opinion. And Rashad White is a one of the best pass-catching backs in the league, and he's a very shifty runner. You get him a power back in that offense? Dude, that's going to be mean as shit. So, the NFC South. This is one I struggle with because Jordan Love played fantastic second half of the season. Played fantastic in the playoffs, for the most part. That young receiving core is just going to get better. You finally got rid of Joe fucking Barry. Thank the Lord. (laughs) And the team has legitimate hopes. The Vikings. Who knows what they do? They keep Kirk Cousins, keep him healthy for a full season. Hell, they could win the damn division. The Bears. I don't agree with them keeping their head coach, but hey, whatever. You get rid of Fields, you have a shit ton of money to play with, and you're probably going to get a new quarterback one. And another big draft under your belt. I mean, shit. The defense played very good second half of the season. Get a guy to opposite Montez. Yeah, you can make a case they could win it too. And the Lions, they're the damn Lions. They finally have a fully good roster. They got the two-headed monster at running back. They have a Monra. They have their tight end. Goff is good enough to get the job done. You have a dominant O-line. That defense is only going to get better since they're going to add more pieces to it. I'm going to go Homer here a little bit and say the Packers win it. As long I was going to say go Homer. Yes, this is going to be a Homer case, but any one, any four of these teams, you can make a strong case for winning the division, in my opinion. So I struggle with it. And I don't, I don't even feel good about the Packers for my pick. But I'm going to believe in Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, and their new defensive coordinator, and that very young roster, that they're going to go far. Now, for the NFC East, I'm going to stick to the Cowboys. I don't trust the Eagles. Jalen Hurts regressed. Your O-line is just going to get older. You have... A.J. Brown coming off an injury. Dallas Goddard hasn't been the same with, since last year. I don't know if you're going to keep DeAndre Swift. Your secondary is old as shit. And if they make great offseason moves, fantastic. If they don't, well, you're fucked. And who knows if Nick Sirianni even keeps his job? Because if they suck ass, he'll probably be gone halfway through the season. So I'm sticking with the Cowboys on this one. Dak is a damn good quarterback. 
Micah's a damn good pass rusher. That defense is still freaking elite, even without Dan Quinn there. And you have good receivers. You have a good enough O-line. I think you can get a running back in the draft or pay one free agency and just go from there. So I think they'll be good enough just to win it out. And the three wildcard teams. I'm going to take the 49ers and Seahawks. Okay. And I'll take the Lions. Okay, so you have only three new playoff teams the entire for that. So below the average, which is interesting to me just because of the fact that it's been pretty consistent of there being usually four to five new playoff teams. But I think that after a while, the league has started to get a little bit more predictable when you look at quarterbacks and what teams do as well as with head coach. But Jake, I'm going to have a bit. I'm going to probably surprise you a little bit. So for the NFC West, I also actually have the Rams winning the division. I think that San Francisco, if they don't get a quality defensive coordinator, which they're promoting from within, but I just, I look at that and that can only work so many times. I look at the Cardinals and I just think that they are still missing too many pieces. I think Kyler will bounce back and have a pretty solid year. And then Seattle, I can't pick them right now because I don't know what the quarterback situation is. And I just don't think that you can do much with Geno Smith leading the charge. We saw that both these last two years. Yeah, you made the playoffs two years ago, but you got blown out by Brock Purdy. So I'd probably take the Rams. You have Puka, who you're not paying. You have Cup who's going to be coming back off of injury. He's going to be able to have an off season to be healthy. Stafford played extremely well, and you could argue that they should have won that game against the lions. I think that defensively they are going to maybe make a splash. Like I said, that's why I had Daniel hunters slated to go there. I think that he would be a huge boost to a defense that, You're really not paying a ton of people. And I still feel like the Rams have a lot more that they can build off of. And like you mentioned, they have a little bit of salary cap space that they can play around with. The NFC South. This one is tricky because Tampa Bay would probably be the easy answer. But I'm going to take the Falcons because they're going to end up with a different quarterback. It's just a matter of who it's going to be. And I think, Jake, the reason why I like the Falcons more than the Bucks in this situation is you have more youth rather than you look at Tampa, Jake. Shaquille Barrett's a free agent. They're probably not going to bring him back. Levante David's a free agent. They might not bring him back. Devin White's a free agent. They might not bring him back. Antoine Winfield Jr., he's most likely going to get franchise tagged. So he's probably not going to go anywhere, but you never know. And I think that because you have so many key free agents, 
I mean, you don't even have Baker locked under contract yet. And so I think that's a big thing. I will say this, Jake, one of the free agent moves that did not make my cut, but I did consider was Austin Eckler joining Rashad White as a running back by committee in Tampa. But I just don't know if they really have the cap space to try and re-sign everyone. Whereas Atlanta, you're not paying Bijan. I think Drake London, you don't have to pay until this next offseason. And you have Kyle Pitts still who you're not paying. And that defense did show signs that they have they have growth. And Raheem Morris, Jake, he's not just a defensive head coach. He spent time on offense as well. And you're talking about one of McVay's best friends. He's still one of McVay's guys as well to call the offense. And I think that no matter what quarterback they get, even if they get Justin Fields, I just think that the talent is enough to be able to build up whoever they get at the quarterback position. The NFC North, Jake, like you said, it's really difficult, but and I can't I don't really want to do this, but I'm taking Green Bay as well, because I think that, Jake, when you look at the defense, you only have room to go up because your nightmare ended. They got rid of Joe Barry. You have a offense that you're not paying anybody. As far as skill position goes, you don't have to pay Jordan Love yet, though you can. You're not you're paying Aaron Jones, but you're not paying Luke Musgrave. You're not paying Tucker Kraft. You're not paying Dontavian Wicks. You're not paying Christian Watson. You're not paying Romeo Dobbs. You're not paying Bo Melton. You're not paying. You're not paying anyone. And so I look at that, Jake, that offense, you can spend some money. Maybe you get. It, an O-lineman in the draft, which if you replace David Bakhtiari, who just can't seem to stay healthy, or if you want to make a pick on defense, you could do that as well. And I think that Detroit, I think that they're going to finish second. It's going to be very, very close, but I'm going to give the slight edge of Jordan Love and the growth that we saw over the second half of the year. I'm going to lean into that. I've been critical of him, but he made me a bit more of a believer, and I think he is better than Goff at this stage. And as far as the NFC East goes, Jake, again, I'm going to be a little bit of a surprise here. I'm going to take the Commanders because when I look at Dallas, Jake, they have a culture problem. I don't care what any of those players say. They have a culture problem. They are regular season darlings, but... After a while, I think that with Mike McCarthy being on the hot seat, you have a lot of noise. You have family members fighting with the stars. You have to sign CD to a big contract. You have to sign Micah to a big contract. You still have to re-sign Dak. I think that what's going to end up happening is they're going to have to wreck their salary cap just to keep their or core or three. And we don't know what Trayvon Diggs is going to be like coming off of that ACL injury. The Giants, if they keep Daniel Jones, which it's looking like they are, that's just a nightmare. And I think that Saquon Barkley is going to be gone. And 
you know, they joke, you joke that they're Saquon Barkley and a bag of chips. They might not even have a bag of chips. Then they might just have one single chip and a bag full of air. And as far as Philly goes, Jake, they're old and they also have a ton of free agents. I mean, Brandon Graham's not guaranteed to come back. Fletcher Cox is old. We think Jason Kelsey's retired. Lane Johnson, he's maybe going to be there, I think, a year or two more at most. And their secondary was abysmal. Like, James Bradbury was burnt toast. And we love Slay, but he, he regressed. Their tackling, their effort to tackle was awful. And I just think that Sirianni, he's going to be on the hot seat, and I wouldn't be surprised if he potentially was gone midseason. And when I look at Washington, Jake, they have the second most cap space. It's all but guaranteed they're going to draft a quarterback. And I think that you have Brian Robinson, who you and I both like. You have Terry McLaurin. You have Jahan Dotson, who flashed late in the year. And I think that if you are able to get some O-line help because Sam Howell was under pressure, I think that's their only big weakness outside of maybe secondary because overall, Jake, that defense, even without Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and the pass rush wasn't necessarily terrible. It's just a matter, I think, you need youth or a little bit of veteran presence. And I think that, hell, Jake, they could if they wanted to re-sign Chase Young for a $5 million deal if they really wanted to get them. So my division winners are Rams, Falcons, Packers, and Commanders. And my wildcard teams are the Niners, the Lions, and I'm going to say the Vikings. I just think that they're going to be able to make a push They're going to get Kirk. I think they keep Justin Jefferson. They have Jordan Addison. And they were playing extremely well. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily transfer over. But they're going to be playing a third place schedule, Jake. So they're going to be, they're going to, it's not like they're going to be playing a murderer's row. And so I believe that gives me what? Falcons would be a new playoff team. Commanders would be a new playoff team. And then the Vikings would be a new playoff team. So that's six new playoff teams thereabouts, which is about the average. What do you think? Do you have any issue with my picks? I want to get your thoughts on them real quick. Not really. The only one I would even come close to having a problem with would probably be the commanders. Like, I love the pick, but I just need to see a lot of work. And I don't know if I trust Dan Quinn enough to lead that team. I trust the front office because of the new owner and the new GM, but it's a Dan Quinn thing that has me like weirded out. I can't figure out if he's going to do good or if he's going to do bad. Well, the reason why the, the, the reason why I like the commanders as well is Dan Quinn is going to be coaching the defense only. And the offense is completely Cliff Kingsbury's you're not going to have any meddling between the two. And I think that if there's a chance that they get Caleb Williams, I just like that. I like that pairing of a rookie quarterback and an offensive coordinator that knows him well, or even if they take Drake may, I like that more. 
And also, you think about how good Dallas's defense was under Dan Quinn. There's no guarantee that they're going to be that good without him. Fair point. And so that's why I really, really think that the commanders, I don't love that organization, but I would love to see them make the playoffs a year after Dan Snyder was ousted and rightfully so, because I think we can all collectively agree Dan Snyder is a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And so is David Tepper, but unfortunately we can't really do anything about him right now. But Jake, that's going to do it for this episode of run past the brain cell. Thank you all for listening. You can check us out on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow so you never miss an episode. And Jake, any final thoughts before we sign off? To the offense that is going to be running in the combine and the quarterback's going to be throwing, have fun. And may the odds forever be in your favor. You don't end up as a Panther. I don't think any quarterbacks, thankfully, will end up as a Panther because I think they're way too invested in Bryce Young. But I mean, well, they couldn't draft a quarterback again if they wanted to. But for those receivers. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, I shall pray for you. So for Jake Miller, you're running back. Oh, God. For Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take it easy.